we were stuck in Scarlet's world and were forced to live it. Four audience members like make their way to you and want to express feelings on the show or their gratitude or whatever. I'm like, ah, you're talking to me. You whatever go up, fucking kids. You talk to me first, all right? So I enter the stage. A, a tirade of fireworks begin to go off. Right then, folks, what'll it be? Hello there, little friends. We're back again for another episode of Two Actors Walking to a Bar. It's been a long time, hasn't it, David? What are you drinking? <laughs> that was a that was a beautiful intro. Thank you, thanks. I, I rehearsed it. You rehearsed it, whereas five seconds ago <laughs> I said, we should do this thing where we have a new intro every podcast and just go from there. Pretend that we're professional. I'm an actress. I can improv, darling. I'm joking. I I have rehearsed nothing and I know nothing and nothing has changed from season two. I still have a scatterbrain. Uh, in answer to your question, I am drinking, I'm classing up for our first episode back. I'm drinking Peroni. You must have been paid in between this and the end of last <laughs> series. <laughs> well, we've both been paid because we both... Ooh. This is very odd looking at each other through a screen because between season two and season three, we've... Met in the flesh. I know, it's weird, isn't we've it? touched. Oh, oh, that sounded <laughs> weird. <laughs> Brilliant. How long's it been? And already Scarlet's made it weird. <laughs> we've seen each other in the flesh. We've worked together. We've just... Yeah. Well, I say just. By the time this episode comes out, it will have been... Nearly a month, two months. I don't know. Mm. What is time anymore? Uh, but we, we've we shared the stage and shared physical space. That mm-hmm. also sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, we actually haven't touched. Not that much. You all know what a, a crazy COVID lady I am. I am not for touching. <laughs> I'm like the queen. Unless I invite you to, you have to stay the fuck away. <laughs> anyway, yes, we, we have recently come back from touring with Black Box Theatre Company in their production of Blythe Spirit. Myself playing Dr. Bradman, Scarlett playing Edith. Mm-hmm. We shared one moment on stage and that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> or two moments. You brought me on stage and then took me off and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. But then we made the most of those precious moments. As in you ad-libbed something or improvised something during one of the shows that threw me completely off guard and... <laughs> But basically, Scarlett played Edith the maid. Edith? Edith? Go on, blimey, Governor. Edith. <laughs> pronounce your THs, Dave. Come on. Uh, you played Edith the maid and you brought me on stage with your gormless, gormless look and you held your arm out. I shoved my coat on your arm and then you went off stage. And then after my two scenes at the beginning, you came back on with the coat. And usually I would just take the coat off your arm and then walk off stage. But you decided randomly a quarter of the way through the tour to just turn away with my coat and let me chase after you. <laughs> because you obviously got bored and thought, I need to do something to trip Dave up. <laughs> Literally as well, it might seem, because as Here you may comes. have seen on our social media during one of our performances, I think it was show number 10 or 11. We were out on the grass because it was an open air production. We're out in the open fields and country houses and all that jazz. And you fell over. I did fall over. Well, I managed to catch myself mid-fall. David took a trip. I go off stage and Scarlett's there with my coat. And then as I go to grab it, she turns round. But in this particular show, she dropped it on the shitty grass. 
So I tried to pick it up. You sort of got a finger to it and it just flung me off balance slightly and I just dropped the fucking Okay, someone take that out of, take that little voice clip out of context, please. (laughs) (laughs) So I managed to, yeah, I nearly grabbed it off you and ended up dropping on the floor. So you managed to pick it up before I could grab it. And so I improvised the line like, you'll pay for that coat, young lady. Get back here. And as we ran round the back of the stage to our backstage gazebo, I slipped and I don't know how. I should have fallen. Yeah, you should have properly stacked it. But I managed to somehow, I think I used the force, I managed to hold myself up and stop myself from going. But I you did defied slip. gravity. <laughs> but this just so happened to be the one time that our director, Chris Hawley, friend and former guest of the podcast, decided I'm going to film this on my phone. Why this moment? Like he was asleep for most of that performance because I took a picture of him when he was in the um, gazebo with our technical stage manager, Hannah. Uh, But he decided to film that moment and you just see me round the gazebo and just go, you'll pay for that coat, young lady. Get back it. Oh, God. (laughs) As I fall over, which is then followed by Chris's muttly laugh as he (laughs) can't contain himself as he's just seen me completely stack it. Oh, that was amazing. I think I spent a solid five hours laughing at that video. It was just fucking funny. Yeah, if I felt embarrassed beforehand at potentially falling over in front of our paying audience. Good friend Scarlett wasn't going to let it go. (laughs) Because good friend Scarlett, who, let's be honest, was a source of torture throughout the entire production to me. I was her plaything throughout that entire show. She did not let it go. Kept going on about it. When Chris posted that video in our WhatsApp group, it got shared, it got gifted, it got memed, it got everything. It was shared all over the place. And I was just like, great. <laughs> oh, it was a sight to behold. Also, you said before, Scarlett, oh, I'm not too keen on touching and whatnot. There were videos of you grabbing my leg, shaking it, saying, come on, Dave. You flicked me in the nipple at one point. You flicked someone else in the nipple. You were bloody... Oh, Christ, we were just in Scarlet's world. We were stuck in Scarlet's world and were forced to live it, basically, throughout that show. We were her minions during Blime Spirit. And you all loved every damn second. You'd have been fucking bored without me. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, I hear you, but like by touching, it sort of alludes to that we were we were being not covid friendly now i was touching your the end of your leg and foot because it was the furthest possible thing away from you <laughs> i flicked your nipples yes they weren't nude it was through clothes <laughs> and it was because you were being silly so you had to be told and i was able anything. to anti back afterwards i wasn't doing anything wrong i probably i probably just walked over and said hi and you just went flick and that was it true but it was probably poking through the top. So, uh, and and it's at eye level for me. I am vertically challenged. So, <laughs> I, I was staring into your nipples as opposed to your eyes. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I flicked anyone else's nipples. They, the rest no, of just... them were all quite coy. But they weren't, I, they, they didn't give me the vibes that they wanted me to flick their nipples, unlike yourself. <laughs> 
No, it was just the male members of the cast. So myself, our lead actor, Peter McCrowen, and our director, Chris Hawley. Our director, the man who's getting paid. No, the man who is paying <laughs> us to be in the show. You definitely flicked him in a nipple at one point because he said something a... rude. And you just went, flick. It's like, he's our boss. And you're just like, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't even... I don't think I even <laughs> flicked his nipple. Oh, God. What the fuck? I just... He said something which was... Yeah, it was rude. So I just went titty smack and smacked his <laughs> pet. Been... <laughs> but like and his... somehow you're cast in his next two shows. I don't know why he does this to himself. <laughs> It's because he likes it. <laughs> Get down with the kids and have lols and titty smacks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is what us kids do. Oh, I guess I guess before it gets brought up, between no, <gasps> between season two and season three, I have turned thirty. He has entered his third decade and his youth has expired. Another one for you, miss. Hey up, Goebbels. Hey up, Hitler. Hey up, Goering. Hey up, Hitler. Hey up, Himmler. Hey up, Hitler. Hey up, everyone. Hey up, Hitler. Oh, come on, I know you can do better than that. Let's give that another try, shall we? Hey up, everyone. Hey up, Hitler. Performing at the Bridge House Theatre in London from the 21st till the 25th of September, Gamma Ray Theatre presents a hilarious new satirical comedy written by David McCulloch and directed by Chris Hawley. Aop Hitler tells the true story of what happened at the end of World War II, where Hitler and his cronies managed to escape Germany and go into hiding in the last place anyone would think to look, Yorkshire. To book your tickets, go to www.thebridgehousetheatre.co.uk. I don't remember smacking Peter. Peter, if you're listening, you'll have to confirm. Did I smack Oh, no, 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 no. You punched Peter. Oh, yes, I punched Peter very hard in the arm, but he was fully deserving of that. So this was during our... I can't remember if it was the first or second show that we did on the Isle of Wight. We had a performance of Blythe Spirit mm. at New Close County Cricket Ground, organised by Key Arts. Shout out. We were in our backstage gazebo. It was a very windy, it was a rather blustery day, as A.A. A. Milnes would say. David kept farting. <laughs> no, but like fucking wind speeds were something oh, like yeah, 30, weren't they? And we just hour. so happened, this cricket ground happened to be next to the busiest road on the Isle of Wight. I mean, that's an oxymoron, surely, but it was so, there were lorries going past and everything. We had to properly belt it out on that show. And the wind was blowing and props were falling off the table. My hair, fucking hell, I have difficulty of my hair on stage ready, was just going all over the fucking show. And I was like, Christ, never mind. It's it's just gone by this point. Um, but we were backstage. Uh, it was the beginning of the second half. And Peter... Peter McCrowen, shout out, just turned to me and said, I'm going to get Scarlet, but you've got to play along. And I was like, your funeral. You bastard. You let him trick me. We were just sat in our chairs. And then suddenly he got up and went towards Scarlet and went, oh my God, get your tray. You're on, you're on. But in reality, she had at least 20 more minutes till she had to be on stage. And you shat yourself. It was so funny. Metaphorically, of course, she didn't really shit herself in the gazebo. That trowel came in very handy. <laughs> but you looked so scared. And then he just went, 
only joking. And you went, you, f- you, f- and just punched him in the arm. <laughs> oh, no, it's the first episode of season three. I've already. Sorry, mum. Yeah, and Sorry. I don't know that I actually called him a C next Tuesday. I, I thought I was like, you fucker. No, it was abusive, but fully deserved. Fully deserved. <laughs> but then what he turned to me. He turned to me afterwards and said, it's your turn next. And I went, you fucking kidding. I'm not getting punched. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I did lash out, but it was like, you know, like when somebody scares you. Well, he, that was essentially what he did, wasn't it? But like if something jumps out at you, like a Halloween or something like that, and I think my instinctual reaction is to lash out and, and he got it. He got it good. <laughs> but he said he's a boxing fan. I thought he'd have been into that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I found working with Peter is that he is very good at improv and he's very good at doing stuff that catches you off guard. Like, there's a bit where I'm going off stage and he's coming back on and he says, oh, thanks, old sport, shakes my hand. And we started doing a little bit of improv, like, I'll see you at the club or whatever. And it was on the it was on the Isle of Wight. He did this. He said, thanks, old sport. I'll see you at the club for a game of billiards. And he did the mime. He did the mime of, you know, playing billiards. And I just looked at him and I was like, yep, looking forward to it. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck is he doing? for <laughs> just completely threw me he's it was so quick and i was like uh, uh, okay if there was yeah. a thing he did in the last show like he he kept changing the sport for everyone i'll see you in the club for a game of tennis <laughs> did that oh yeah he did that funny one that not even chris had ever heard of yeah i said to him i've got a good little ad lib but can you come up with the sport and i'll say something witty afterwards he said yeah okay and it's our final show so i go off stage he comes back on and i was like oh thanks old sport not to worry and he says i'll see you at the club for a game of what was it beggar my neighbor yeah yeah it was and i just looked at him i was shaking hands with him and i looked at him and i was like what the fuck and i and my ad lib just completely went yeah i was like (laughs) bugger my neighbor i thought that's what he said (laughs) and i just went looking forward to it and then walked off stage and I was like what the fuck was that and then when he came off at the end You'd have I was like me at the weekend boy what do you think <laughs> and he came off at the end and I was like what the fuck are you talking about he's like begging my neighbour it's a card game and I was like is it <laughs> only for oldies but I mean one thing we should say we did a show during well it wasn't during or was it during lockdown I don't even know anymore it, it was, was before, one, before you could choose whether you want to wear a mask or not. It yeah. was before you are allowed to gather in bigger numbers inside. Yeah. Um, so pubs still weren't open indoors, bigger than groups of six at that point. Well, frankly, it was nothing like what life is like now, really. Yeah, we started rehearsals on the 17th of May, which was when a lot of, but not all of the restrictions got lifted. So, like, mm. basically the lockdown ended, but there were still social distancing restrictions and shit like that. We had a delay, didn't we, in the middle, but it still didn't affect us. Yeah, well, that delay was all restrictions being lifted. That was supposed to happen, mm. like, partway through our tour, and then that got pushed back to... Well, June 21st? Yeah, that was it. June 21st was supposed to be the quote-unquote Freedom Day, uh, and then that got pushed back to July after our tour had finished. But we managed to pull off a tour during a time when the pandemic was still quite ravenous across the country and we managed to avoid it yeah somehow nobody we had one near miss which turned out to be not near miss really at all and nobody caught it we were all testing very regularly at least twice a week 
abiding to restrictions in every possible way we could to make each other and those that we were doing the show for feel safe so i remember in like our last two weeks of the tour there was like loads of i was seeing loads of stuff on twitter of shows in london getting cancelled because of covid cases Mm. and this and that and i was like just thinking wow we're so lucky that we've managed Mm. to do this tour yeah had it not been outdoors we we just it just wouldn't have been oh yeah i think would it the fact it was outdoors was a big factor and the fact it was able to be successful and people were able to socially distance in the audience. And I, I get it. I, in, at the time, when theatres started reopening, they were socially distancing in theatres. But the difference mm. is, is that you're still in a room. You're still yeah. crammed into a room together. I mean, you get, you get your big theatres like the Mayflower and Southampton and stuff like that. But it's still in a room. And so mm-hmm. it's not complete. Whereas in you're outside, you're in the outdoors... I don't know, the wind blows the COVID away. As it certainly did in the Isle of Wight, where it was so fucking windy. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. But yeah, we managed, we managed to avoid it, really. I think we were really lucky, the fact we were able to do that. I mean, I saw loads of shows getting cancelled because of it. But I think as well, we mm. were all quite safe outside of the show because we had like, most of the shows took place over the weekend or the end of, the weekdays and stuff so we had gaps between people won't people don't go out and socialize as much on monday tuesday and wednesday if it was the opposite end of the week i don't know whether we'd have been as safe because Mm. we'd have wanted to see more of our friends who were more available so in some ways theater itself because of where it's scheduled in the week yeah it doesn't actually allow you to socialize much beyond each other and, and you're just in that sort of little microcosm and we were very fortunate enough to be with like-minded people whose priority was to just keep everything as safe as possible so that we could fulfill the tour because it would have been such a shame to have had any cancelled or anybody drop out through either being really poorly or just not really being fair and and carrying on as if there wasn't a pandemic still going on sort of thing. And the show did do quite well in terms of ticket sales and audiences. I speak from a very biased point because I was helping out with marketing for the show. There was sellout after sellout, wasn't there? Yeah, we got some sellout shows. That was fucking great. Well, we started the tour uh, with two shows at Brighton Open Air Theatre and one of them was a sellout, which was insane. And that was on a... Was that a Tuesday or Wednesday or something? I think it was a Wednesday. Yeah, midweek. And yet we had a matinee which sold really well, like a Wednesday matinee. These are people that don't care about work. Or just don't work. <laughs> and they, I tell you what, the people in Brighton, they're a type of audience I've not seen before because they're out, we're out, you know, selling programs. So we get we, we go out into the audience wearing masks <laughs> with programs because we were taking donations for the Minster Trust and in, in exchange for program sales. And seeing all the people in the audience, there are people there with like three course meals and they had frittatas. You could yeah. hear bottles of Prosecco popping in the background while Prosecco, you're on stage. Champagne, all of that. Like, Jesus Christ, this uh, isn't a Wednesday there was, afternoon. There was a place you know, um one of the venues down in the New Forest was there <laughs> this group of six turned up and they set up their picnic table. They had a bloody Tablecloth and everything. And Knives and forks, Table plates. decorations, yeah. yeah. And it was like a proper banquet. Fair play to them. They made the most of it. I remember when <laughs> it was one of the shows at 
Finden Place, which is in Sussex. Beautiful venue. We got to perform at the back of this gorgeous house. Like, my mm. God, it was, oh, it was really incredible. Lovely. And I remember, it, I think it was me and you, we went out into the audience before the show to sell programmes. And <laughs> there was just this this group of people. They had a table set up, plates, knives and forks. And they had like salmon. posh salmon, posh salmon looking dishes. <laughs> salmon we with were... chunks of lemon. Yeah, we were giving out programmes and then <laughs> that was really awkward. This is the most middle class thing I think I'll ever say on this podcast. But one of the guys at this table, one of the gentlemen at this table, accidentally knocked a glass of champagne over his wife's salmon dinner. <laughs> And then proceeded to sort of like get hold of the plate because she was like, oh, brilliant. Get hold of the plate. I don't know whether he pulled the salmon off and put it on his own plate or quite what he did. But he just sort of (laughs) like slung the champagne off the plate onto the floor, which was obviously grass anyway. So it didn't really make much difference. But it was just really odd. He was just like, they are sorted sort of thing like marinated in champagne. What more do you want? If it was me, I'd have slurped that champagne up. Get your straw out, love. (laughs) (laughs) David was like, I'll have a drop. (laughs) (laughs) Pour it into my mouth, not on the grass. Although neither of us are very whiny sort of people. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Depends what the audience members think. Audience members. Depends what the listeners think. I'm still in (laughs) stage mode. Another one for you, sir. So, you know, we toured a range of places across the south of England. What would you say was your favourite venue of all the places we went to? And by the way, if anyone who works for any of the venues visited are listening, this is just our opinion. It does not reflect the opinion of Black Box Theatre. Please let them come back for future shows this year and next year. (laughs) (laughs) For the sake of the performance or the aesthetic of the venue? If you could say that all in front of your microphone rather than leaning forward then that would be great. It would be great Um, if you wouldn't just say everything away from the mic like this. (laughs) I had to put the bottle down. I'm very sorry. Um, I said my favourite venue in terms of its aesthetic or the performance. Let's go for aesthetic and then I'll say mine for aesthetic and then we'll both say what we think our favourite performance is and why. I think it might be quite interesting for, you know, listeners to know in terms of like what our opinions is of favourite performances and why and where it came in the tour and whatnot. To look at, predominantly because it's purpose built for that, but I think I'd probably say Brighton Open Air. Yeah, that is a good one. But oh I, I loved the grandeur of some of the stately homes that we stayed at and the fact that they were in fact a lot more secluded. You weren't fighting with any sort of background noise from from what was going on around the venue or anything like that. Um it really felt like you're in the sticks a bit, which which was great, in my opinion, and made yeah. it a more fulfilling performance. I would say my favourite was the Swindon Bowl. Oh, fuck. No. What am I talking about? It's the Swindon Bowl. I'm with you. I'm <laughs> um, with you. Sorry, Brighton Open Air Theatre. Sorry. <laughs> both sorry, are brilliant. Sorry, sorry. They are both designed for outdoor theatre, aren't they? Really? Yeah. I mean, like some of the venues we went to, we essentially just set up shop there mm. in like various fields or gardens or stuff like that. But with Brighton Open Air Theatre and the Swindon Bowl, they are designed for, you know, open air 
theatre and performances. Brighton's a busy place. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was a really, really hot, sunny day as well that we performed there, which was fantastic for the audience members. But us in our 1920s, <laughs> frankly, winter gear, um, tights, David had a shirt, a jumper, a tie and a blazer to contend oh my with. God. The worst one was our final performance. It was mm. a the plays in the park organized by Dorking Halls. Nothing against the venue, nothing against the location. It was really well organized. It was a brilliant audience, huge mm. audience as well, which is fantastic for our final show. But fuck me, it was the hottest day of the year on that day. Yeah, and boiling. I just remember I was out there, you know, in my full costume. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I was out with Peter selling programs. And I think I turned to him and went, can't do this, mate. I'm fucking dying out here. And mm. <laughs> I remember Chris said, it's all right. The stage is actually quite, you know, in the shadows shaded. with the trees. Yeah. It's shaded. I got on stage and I was like, fuck off. I'm right in the sun at the moment. I sweated <laughs> through my costume on that show. Like Bless. so badly. I was in the backstage gazebo, just topless. I was like, I can't sit in it. <laughs> Like Dave said, I would introduce him on stage and off. Well, as I've put my arm out to insinuate he was coming on sort of thing, I've sort of looked to the left of me as he's he's gone at least stepped up onto the stage. And I thought, oh, what's that big wet patch on the back of his linen blazer? That's <laughs> and he bad. was already sweating through before he'd even gone on stage, bless yeah, him. Just to, give you, just to give you listeners an idea, I had sweated through a shirt a jumper and a blazer and Scarlett could see my sweat patch through all three of those layers. The shirt was see-through by the time I got off stage in the first act. It was that bad. I'm pretty sure I came away with the f- from the final performance with a, a touch of heat stroke. I had probably one of the worst headaches I've ever had in my life. And the other thing is, as well, you're not you've not got toilets on your doorstep, sort of thing. So with those shows, you don't like to drink too much either in the lead up or in between because otherwise you're going to be absolutely desperate for a wee and you won't be able to go because it's either a hike or you don't really, when you're all sort of togged up like that, you don't really want to come into contact with the uh, the civilians <laughs> because they start trying to talk to you like in character and stuff, which is fine, but I'd rather just, I, I'd rather stay in character and not actually speak to anyone. I think, like, I remember in the Dorking show, I really needed the loo and one of the other cast members, Amelia, did as well. So we, during the interval, changed into civilian clothes walked like down the mound behind our stage and then back up through the entrance and used the uh, portaloos and just kind of incognito. We looked completely normal in our civilian clothing with me of my really slick back hair and her with her ghost makeup. <laughs> I um I did the same at Dorking. I was desperate. I couldn't wait. And um, because it was so hot, I had been conscious, oh, you must drink, otherwise I'm going to end up dehydrated. But obviously mm. it didn't solve the problem. Um. I uh, <laughs> I actually used David, Dr. Bradman's um, big trench coat that he <laughs> like would wear or, or would bring on and off with him on stage. So I just put that over the top of... Fuck, was I wearing that coat in that heat? <laughs> I put that on over the top of my costume, um, put my mask on and, and made a dash for it. Well, um, Edith was, was pretty... 
was pretty light on her feet, I suppose, for the most part of the tour, and uh, except from when I took my own personal tumble. And um, <laughs> and I've I've run to the loos in Dorking, and somebody's one of the audience members, and who could blame them? It was a prime opportunity. Has gone to me. It was one of the reoccurring lines throughout the play was telling Edith to walk. So I'm I've I've. <laughs> I've dashed off with this bloody great big coat on and my mask on and someone's gone, walk! (laughs) Yeah, you're funny. (laughs) But you say about not wanting to see or interact with audiences during the interval. I don't want to see or interact with audiences after a show. I find it so weird. Mm, I find it it's, so it's weird. painful, isn't it? It's like yeah, I they, they try, to... they sort of say something, and then and then the conversation that continues is like pulling teeth. Majority of the time, it's complimentary and stuff, and it's fine. But oh, I always yeah, feel really absolutely. awkward if it's friends in the audience. Like I'll make the effort to go out, but it was fine. I feel like I'm incognito a little bit because I'm with friends, so it's it's okay. But if it's strangers in the audience, I'm just like. Ugh, I don't know yeah. what it is. I get really awkward around audience Even members. Even with friends and family, I mean, what, what do you say to them when you go out? Thank you so much for coming. Did you enjoy yourselves? And then it just sounds like you've opened the floor for them to, like, sort of chuck compliments at you. I, I don't know. Um, but it just feels like you're, you're like, asking for the attention. And then that's cringe. But you want to <laughs> know that You've given me they've... your attention during the show. And now I've come out for more attention. But just personally yeah. aimed at moi. Yeah, I want you to tell me how fantastic I was. No, but I don't want that at all. And I feel rather awkward when anybody compliments me. So that's not what I, I am intending. But I'd like to know that they felt it was money well spent and, and that they found it funny or, or whatever, but they enjoyed the experience. But after you said, like, yeah. did you have a nice time? Did you enjoy it? I sort of like, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> ooh, tumbleweed. Okay, well... Thank you so much for coming. And I am so, so grateful. Like, oh, yeah, that can't me be too. denied. I think I think we're all we all made the effort. If we knew somebody was coming to see us, we all made the effort to go out there and, and say hello and thank them. And it, it's great that we get that opportunity because I mean my my parents are synonymous for buggering off before I've got a chance to say hello, goodbye. <laughs> didn't we, How didn't are we literally after the perform one of the performances in uh Wickham at mm. Rooksby Park, didn't me and you run out to the front yeah. so you could say bye to your parents and Liam? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the first one they came to. Bless them, they came to about five in the end. Um, but it was the first show. I know your come parents to. are firm fans of yours. They come to <laughs> loads. Bless them as well. They never have a bad word to say, and I, I mean, why would they? Because we're fucking fantastic. Um, Wouldn't that be rude? But... And like show three or five, they're like. Oh, it's a bit, that was a bit shit, that one. We'll come again, improve by that point, It surprises me. Right? Yeah, I mean, it surprises me that they're not like... Your mum's put this podcast through her quality control, as has mine. <laughs> so maybe she does that for shows as well. Yeah, maybe maybe they give each other a little rundown in the car on the way home rather than rather than shatter my dreams and tell me I was a pile of poo compared to the last time they saw me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny, isn't it, that audience interaction thing i mean oh with shows that you can break the fourth wall and stuff you've just got a different air of confidence about you because you're on stage and you're the character whereas i've always i've had a lot of friends and stuff if i've had to do sort of more professional presentations and stuff for things but it's me doing the presentation not a character then they're like oh 
you'll be fine at that. You must be really good at talking to to like big groups of people, public speaking. You want you, know, you, you want to be an actor, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, but it's me up there. It's not the character. And then in the same vein, when you come off stage and you try to speak to, or, or, or like, try, don't try to speak to, but if audience members like make their way to you and want to express like their, their feelings on the show, I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. Squirmville. So my question is, because I know what my answer to this question is, because we are never going back, what was your least favourite venue? Uh, (laughs) I know where you're going to say. Whilst I grab Um, another bottle of beer, why don't you tell the lovely listeners what venue I'm talking of? Oh, he's gone. So long, David. It's just me and you, listeners. One to one, or one to however many of you are listening. Um, He's going to talk about the Royal Victoria Country Park. We were just sort of open to the elements. We'd been warned beforehand that um, we weren't able to keep our stage and props on site. Youths, youths set fire to things at Royal Victoria Country Park. Is there any security that tries to stop these youths from setting fire? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so we just had to take everything down and take everything back up again. What the fuck? Yeah, we were also, I mean, again, it was lovely weather and there was people making the most of the outdoors because a lot of people have learnt to recently, but I think that was before any restrictions had changed as well. And they were making so much use of the outdoors that uh, there were two people definitely making use of the outdoors picture the scene ladies and gentlemen it's the second day of our blithe spirit performances at royal victoria country park we've been left our own devices most of our shows we had an organization or a theater company or private funders or whatever taking care of us you know, making sure we feel comfortable in the space, making sure we're safe and protected. And yet Royal Victoria Country Park, owned by a county council, did nothing. They just kind of said, yeah, do whatever, put your stage up wherever. They barely knew you were coming. They didn't want to help sell tickets or anything either, did they? No, they didn't bother selling tickets or helping out with that at all. She left us out in the cold, no less. I mean, what did we expect? But there you go. (laughs) So on the second performance where we had to turn up early to put our stage back up because we couldn't leave it overnight because it could have been torched, as we were advised. (laughs) We're out there. We're putting up our stage. And there's guide ropes and trip hazards and nails and hooks and all that shit as we're trying to put a sail up and a stage. And there were children running around and running in between the ropes and trip hazards and everything. In fact, coming on our staging area... Yes. They were actually sort of interrupting the, the get-up. So like, I'm thinking, well, where are these children's parents? And Chris, our director, said very politely to these children, could you not run through our staging? We don't want you to trip up and hurt yourselves. And I'm thinking, where are the parents right now? So I look and I notice behind our van, oh, there are the parents. The wife is on the floor and the heffalump of a husband slash father is on top of her right now, wheezing away. I was like, ah, what the wheezing. fuck? We have indecent exposure. It's, are they fucking in the field on Royal Victoria Country Park, not bothering to look after their three children running through our stage? And if they trip up and hurt themselves, you can guarantee this wheezy 
gammon of a man is going to have a go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can confirm, though, before we get ahead of our little selves. Okay. It was mere dry humping rather than <laughs> intense rubbing of uglies. Um, ju- just before you, your minds take you to somewhere where there's they're, they're sort of scantily clad and stuff. They did have clothes on and there was no penis popping away when the man began to get up and, and confront us. So... You know, Chris very kindly told these children not to run through our stage. And then eventually the warthog of a father, you know, got up and started shouting I'm, I'm talking, at Chris. I'm talking. You've, you've heard of Caliban and, and what he, his, uh, his mixture of <laughs> genetics. But, but this man was uh, human Makes Caliban versus look like Tom Hiddleston. In- English bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> and he was basically like, Oi, what are you doing? What are you doing talking to my kids? You want to have a go at my fucking kids? You talk to me first, all right? And Chris was just like, I just didn't want them running through our stage that we're blatantly setting up. He didn't say it like that. I've added a bit mm-hmm. of flair. I didn't want them... We were setting up a stage, didn't want them tripping up and hurting themselves or anything. It's like, well, you've got a problem. You talk to me first. Don't have a go at my kids. So our director, Chris... In his beautiful 1930s radio announcer voice, just went, Certainly will, sir. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> I really don't think Chris was in the mood that day either. Had, uh, <laughs> had it led to fisty cuffs, I think. Um, well, I think the rest of us would have been joining in as well. <laughs> and then the best of it was, as, um, as this bloke's fucked off back to carry on massaging his his lady friends lady parts um he uh his son who who chris had said like please don't run around it's quite dangerous too said we were here first anyway <laughs> so he got in the arse. he's like yeah what you fatty talking about oh shit Little shit. When the actual performance happened, there was like some drunk guy on his phone shouting and swearing whilst there we were, were people performing fucking as well. going around on mopeds. You name it. It was just yeah. absolute carnage. And it's a really, really beautiful venue. That it can't is. be denied. Poorly organised, though. I mean, my God, trying to market. Mm. They we had two nights at that show, and apparently they promised Chris they could sell like two hundred tickets per night. <laughs> As if I had to struggle, beg, borrow, steal to try and get an audience for that during the marketing mm. for the show. I had to literally beg Hampshire County Council on Instagram to retweet our event on Twitter and share it on their Instagram story. It was so difficult. It was like it was like pulling teeth. And surely mm. you'd think as a county council owning a country park as beautiful as Royal Victoria You'd want to showcase it. It just seems like such a mistrick. When you know that yeah. people really want to be doing something. And again, like at that time, you were you didn't have the freedom you do now. And whenever you hear this, I assume we will probably have. In which case, you'd think they think this is like an instant moneymaker. Because people are hungry for just something to do. Yeah, a professional theatre company doing a popular show. That is the sort of place where you can introduce those that wouldn't usually attend the theatre to a show because A, it's either on their doorstep or B, it sort of shatters the preconceptions and misconceptions of 
those that decide whether they're suitable for theatre or whether that's really their cup of tea or or whether they'd actually feel welcome in a theatre. Yeah, it just seemed really peculiar to me that that it was just just absolute apathy towards it when I really think you could have been on to a, a bit of a money maker there. And that is essentially what venues are looking for. I mean, it's lovely for them and lovely for their staff when there's a great atmosphere and, and we bring a, a good show. But yeah. they want profit and they could have had it if they'd have tried. Absolutely. But they didn't. And they had, you know, their cafe open selling drinks and pasties and whatnot. And that was the thing. I there were cert- There were, like, you know, a lot of the venues were really eager to get in touch with me because mm. i was doing the marketing for the show to find out how we can best sell tickets for it because for a lot yeah. of the venues it was their first reintroduction to the theater for audiences that's it as well if they've got a bar or, or selling snacks and stuff then they make money from that as well but i think in terms of that that performance at royal victoria country park now for those that don't know blythe spirit Edith is a character that kind of comes in and out of scene. She's the maid and doesn't really say that much, especially not in our version where she just said yesum for the entire show when she was on stage. Yesum. But her final scene where, you know, the big revelation of who Edith is and what she's done and she gets to say more things. What happened on that final show at Royal Victoria Country Park? Take it away, Scarlett. <laughs> so I enter the stage. And there's a big reveal about who I am, even though I seem like this such insignificant character and all I have to say is yes, I'm and I'm not really, I'm just like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, just as I'm about to start my meatier bit of the script, where I actually <laughs> say something else, um, a, a tirade of fireworks begin to go off right behind us on the shoreline at the fucking venue right over the top of everything i had to say and uh there's a bit where i insinuate that madame arcati is is there's something the matter with her and that she's not all there <laughs> and i just had to improv what was she doing letting all these fireworks off for because one i wasn't sure whether the audience could hear a fucking word i was saying and two it was so large and elaborate and and you really couldn't miss it uh, that, that it had to be it had to be noted <laughs> that's last orders at the bar please last orders at the bar so to pretend that we are a professional podcast oh yeah like we are <laughs> I thought we should end this on a segment called emails where we go through the emails that have come through to our inbox to actors podcast at outlook.com and the first one that I see is, Scarlett, your discount is still available. This is from Uber Eats. <laughs> Open the Uber Eats app, tap account at the bottom of the screen and tap promotions. Tap enter code in the top right corner, type the code and tap add promo. Tap eligible stores to see a list of stores where you can see you can use your promo. Thanks Uber Eats for getting in touch with the show. Scarlett, why are Uber Eats contacting our inbox that we're using for to be a professional podcast? Look, I'm poor and <laughs> You've I got want... your own email address. Yeah, but I wanted the fifteen pound off and I didn't get it because I've already signed up for Uber Eats on my own email address. So I thought fuck it. David <laughs> won't mind, alas, it it seems that gets on his last professional podcasting nerve. 
Anyway, that's the end of our famous segment. Emails. <laughs> Season three. We are being a professional podcast. What are you two still doing here? Go on, sling your hook. See you later, Davey boy. See you later, Scarlotta. We'd like to give a massive thanks to Rotaries for our soundtrack and to Megan Siggers for our artwork. And an even bigger thanks to all of you choosing to listen to us waffle on. Find us on all social media platforms and make sure to subscribe to us because we're actors. We need validation.